Hello and welcome to Everyday Journal number 104, your favorite, most deceptively named bi-weekly legacy podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by our brand new patrons, Tim Everett and Markus Jülich. Thank you so much for joining our community. Thank you so much for joining the Discord. If you're supporting us and you haven't joined the Discord yet, definitely get in there. There's going to be a link in your in your Patreon notes on uh, patreon.com. Guys, how's it going? Callum can't make it today. He's on a mission, a mission across Britain, from what I've heard. But I'm really happy to have Marius Hausmann back on the cast, one of the most successful grinders on the MKM series. And also, um, I think, one of the person, the people I've known the longest in all of my Magic career. I, I still remember, like, in 2005, when I showed up to my very first tournament, and there was Marius, like, bossing people around with uh, blue-white land still, and also uh, white stacks and Armageddon stacks and stuff like that. Good to have you on. Good to have Matt back. Matt, how's the stabbing in the face going? How's how's Canada? Everything's good. I was part of the COVID vaccination rollout, and so far that's gone pretty well. I did a lot of a lot of stabbing. That was fun. And uh, as the uh, as the tide turns, I'm hoping that there will be more in person legacy that I can actually shuffle my cards. They're getting a little dust. I'm excited to hear. Uh, it, it must have been like a while since you've touched legacy cards and. In the flesh, right? I mean, I touch them all the time. I just look at them. I stare at them. I drool on them. That's why I double sleep <laughs> them. Information, <laughs> but uh, um, it's it. To be honest, the last time I played in a paper legacy tournament would have been February 2020. So yeah, it's been a little while. Oh, awesome, man! And Marius, how's it going for you? Have Have you been playing any like local legacy or like you know just with friends lately? Oh, hi, Julian. Uh, well, first of all, I'm on the other side of stabbing. I got my vaccination uh, two months and then six weeks six weeks later ago. And I'm quite happy to um, got to get the stabbing. Since then, we started uh, to play a bit paper, just with friends, because tournaments aren't still allowed here in Bavaria. And yeah, so we are testing legacy and modern all around. Um... Yeah, but only with yeah three, four, sometimes five people. No COVID legacy tournaments yet, but I, I know you've been working a lot on modern lately, right? You've been uh, working a lot on modern enchantress, which is quite oh, a lot of the oh god! Now. I was actually going to ask about that, so that's awesome. Yeah, I bought all the stuff together, and uh, when they announced these uh, enchantress cards in Modern Horizon Two. It was before they revealed Suitis, and I thought, well, if they uh, add a solid two-mana Enchantress effect, I'll buy into it again, because it was for sure one of the decks I enjoyed most to play some time ago. And uh, then they revealed Suitis, and instantly uh, I bought the uh, Enchantress cards in foil, old frame, not to bunker them, <laughs> but just to play them, because... I, th I, I thought, well, if I don't buy them now, then I'll buy them never. And um, especially Sterling Groove is the the, the, the old frame, uh, the, the, or the original old frame card, the only one who has the cool old design because I don't really like the uh, new Sterling Grooves. And then I thought, well, come on, just buy the confinements and the Enchantress <laughs> presents too. Awesome and, and, and yeah, when uh, my when, when my when my wife uh, asked me yeah, how where much does all our money go? Yeah, and, yeah, <laughs> something <laughs> like that. Pretty spot on, probably. <laughs> I just told you, hey, just look, my friend Daniel Shu bought uh, six times more with his money, and I said, okay, then 
Glad Look at him, he's the total degenerate. Yeah, correctly. Um, and it was all okay. Uh, especially since the stuff uh, doesn't get cheaper anymore. If I look at uh, Magic Card Market and DC, I see a City of Traitors for 250 euros. It's not really funny. Laser the thousand, easy peasy. <laughs> this is this, yeah, that's yeah, that's the that's that's uh, uh, that's quite the amount I uh, paid for the whole Enchantress deck because I, uh, apart from the from the basic lands, I had nothing, and even these I had to uh, buy new because I need snow covers uh, for on thin ice. I feel of you because I'm still getting. I need a few more summer forests, and then I should be good to go. Matt, do you remember when I told you that you should buy Urza Saga when it was like 10 or 11 euros and then it shot up like the very next day? You should yeah. listen to me. I'm the original MTG finance guy. It's okay. I'll, I hope oh, I Oh, by the way, you know what I just noticed? It's like eight in the evening and I just noticed that I've been wearing my t-shirt. Um, the, the, like, how, how do you call it? Inside out for the entire day. This is, <laughs> why do you peak home office degeneracy? <laughs> why do you wear a t-shirt? Oh, no, there you go. Wear a shirtless. <laughs> Just shirtless the whole day. Yeah, we were going to make that a Patreon goal, the shirtless video cast one day. <laughs> uh, I think they're going to pay us uh, not to cast at that point. Uh, yeah, but the, the heat wave is strong in, in Europe right now. It's actually absolutely insane. It's so bad that I can barely sleep. Like, this is the first summer where I'm actually like, guys, I wish we had one of those AC things that they have in North America. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, at least, Magic is a lot of fun right now. I keep playing elves. I, I revamped the elf sideboard like quite extremely. Um, I'm, I'm playing a lot of um, weird cards like Runafowl, which I, I guess I'm going to talk about later. And I'm having so much fun. Like I think I just talked to Marius about this before the cast. I, I had like a streak of like five or six four ones with elves in a row. And yeah, that's that's just fun. Like we're literally grinding out the Derva deck. I mean, that's a thing other decks do, but you wouldn't really expect elves to do that all the time. But even in the face of sweepers, it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, I, I want to talk a little bit about elves um, towards the end of the cast. But the first thing that we're getting into right now... Just, 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 just a question, just a question, yeah. because uh, you are the only uh, elves player I know at the moment who really grinds. Uh, how much does uh, Yavi Maya change the elf stick? Does it make it much more <laughs> better or just a little bit? Um, Almost not at all. I really okay. I, I, I was I was super excited to you know protect my cradle with Kraven Ranger or like replay the the cradle with Kraven Ranger, but after something like I don't know how many matches have I played thus far like sixty seventy eighty something in, in that region maybe, um, like not a hundred but also definitely more than fifty. Um, I have never protected my cradle or like replayed my cradle, but what I have done is I've used my fetch lens for green mana. And it was quite relevant, um, just because of the life uh, point that I got to save. But like, it had some uses here and there. It also sometimes somewhat helped my opponents. But overall, the impact was really small. And I've actually been considering cutting it for something else. The thing is, I've cut down on black in my sideboard quite a lot as well. So I'm not super excited to add like another fetch line again. I also don't feel like I need the third basic. So at this point, I'm almost like, hey, should, should we bring back Pendlehaven? Because if you play a 1-1 on the first turn and they play Ragavan and then you have Pendlehaven, at least, you know, they, they can't even like trade and play the second Ragavan. They, they can just like have their first Ragavan die or they, they can't, you know, uh, forkboard. Like I, I've always been a fan of Pendlehaven and I'm 
actually considering bringing that one back. Just, I don't know. We, we, we will see. I'm, I'm still giving Yavimaya a little more time to shine because it's, overall, it's a pretty cool card and it has the potential to be broken, but yeah, it's, it's not feeling broken yet. Okay, so funny enough, Yavimaya does have a, a harder impact on the deck light like uh, green, white, uh, dark devs than elves. Didn't expect that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I've actually seen him doing doing uh, doing really weird stuff, but also like really good stuff in that deck. So I'm excited. Um, Turn everything cool. into bayous with the Urborg. So that's pretty cool. Ah, if you play, if you play both, ah, yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I just keep thinking if they ever printed it for islands, it would be the most broken thing ever. Like <laughs> literally, you go ahead. Murfolk just, comes like, back. Island walk for life. Just get you. Okay. Yeah, or you know, you just go ahead. You just play four carpet of flowers in any deck. And I'm not. I'm not. Jesus. I'm not a too too big fan of these identical uh, reprints. I got really a hate on Wizards when they uh, revealed Ike Noble Hierarch. That's oh come on! Oh, it's so cute. I saw it's that. So I was hoping it was going to be junk colors, and I was like, "We're back, baby!" But you know, John, I'll 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 take it. I guess. And speaking of one drops, uh, we we actually have an impromptu section that I didn't expect to be in the podcast, but we got so many answers for that on the, on our Twitter at EternalMTG that I wanted to make an entire short section because we sent out a call for what are the most hilarious situations that actually came up in games you played involving Ragavan, you know the the, the new one um, one drop for it. That's actually why I'm even explaining the card. Like anybody listening to the cast probably knows that this card is super busted. <laughs> so. Yeah, a lot of people got back to us, and uh, here's the very first one from Max Torsion. And Max, uh, is there something? Okay, sorry, I, I got a message, but that's nothing. Anyway, so here's the very first one from Max Torsion from minnextblock.com, and he's he, he he actually has been playing Ragavan in his Doomsday deck, which I thought was a meme, but actually it's been working out for a lot of people to play Ragavan in combo decks lately, and. This is, this, this is very tame compared to the rest that we're going to see here. He made triple black with Ragavan, um, when his only islands, uh, on his lands were islands and volcanic island. So is, is, Raga, is Ragavan real in Comodex? I think it is. Like I've also seen it in, in sneak show and stuff. And like, even if you just like randomly get to, to steal a couple of cantrips or, you know, get extra mana, just, <laughs> It's more real than you would think it is, and I'm actually quite excited to see what else it can do because it's that's that's the fun part of the card, you know. The unfun part is when they play it in Diver and they just like run away with the game. But if they go ahead and and they do stuff like this, I'm down. Okay, so forgive me. When it says you may cast that card, is it you may cast that card without paying its mana cost? No, no, you have to pay the. Okay, good. I was like, <laughs> I was like hold on a second here. It's How not not, not a dread hold on steroids. Uh, so most of the time, if you get uh, the off-color card, you ha you will have to use the treasure to cast it. But that's the sim that's the inbuilt synergy of this card. And that's the idea behind it. Yeah. The most the most ridiculous uh, thing I heard about the card was really when I heard that JPA, this this uh, super super successful sneak and show player. Uh, on MTG Online, just added Ragavan in his sneak and show deck. That felt quite stupid. Yeah, but yeah obviously he, he's it done it. I just and had a couple to make of, sure. Other people have also like, done it. Yeah. A couple of people have actually done that in that deck. And what he did, he, he used it to cast Grizzlebrand. And then you think about it, like you play Ragavan on the first turn. And then, you know, you got your City of Traders or Ancient Tomb or like a Lotus Petal here and there. Like he, you get pretty close to cast, just like hard casting Grizzlebrand on the fourth turn. 
And once you start to, like, obviously that requires a Farsifal from your opponent. And then, like, that, that's one fewer Farsifal than I would have actually had had you not played Ragavan. It's, 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 I don't know. That card is hilarious to me. I even considered running it in AFs, but it's really not doing anything for us in AFs, I guess. But moving on, here's the second scenario. This one was submitted by Piss Duggery. <laughs> and apparently <laughs> he is playing Black Red Reanimator. And his opponent, um, he, I guess he, he put a grizzled brand into his own graveyard and then his opponent actually hit animate dead with <laughs> the Ragavan and actually reanimated his own grizzled brand. I don't think so, you have, yeah. uh, I don't think you have to pity a black red reanimate player too much. Um, <laughs> but situation is, of course, kind of awkward. Yeah, I, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. <laughs> Another one. This one was submitted by Alessandro Boschiani and Alessandro's talking about my opponent hit Alessaro Shepard with Ragavan and cast it. Then later on, he had another Alessaro Shepard in play on his side of the board because he was playing Fs. The opponent submerged it back to the top of the library, attacked with Ragavan, cast that one as well, and then further down the game actually activated the ultimate ability of Shepard for six mana and turned both of them into five, five dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> This, this, this is the kind of madness and chaos I want to see added to Legacy. <laughs> this is, yeah, I'm loving it. Here's another one. This one by Strive for Chase Hansen. Also, a friend of the podcast has been on a previous episode. Hey, Chase. Hey, man. I only played it in one league, but I did get to cast Chancellor of the Annex off of it, which was pretty cool. Like, what, what is it with like all these broken combo decks splashing a one, a two one eight? <laughs> this is hilarious. Ooh, the next one is good. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah, the next one is, was submitted by Otmal MTG, Dennis Kampelmann, and Dennis was just like, he attacked on turn two with Ragavan, and can you guess which card he hit? He literally hit Thassa's Oracle. GG Doomsday get wrecked. <laughs> Fuck. That one just like stays in exile, like even if you don't cast it, it just like stays in exile. <laughs> it's over, man. I mean, it can happen with Tendrils as well, right? <laughs> This is great. This is absolutely great. But okay, here's a, here's another one. Um, XJ Cloud, John Ryan Hamilton, and in his game, it actually came up that I guess he was playing Death in Texas. The opponent not only hit Thalia on a Ragavan, but also played it, which already is kind of questionable, right? Like even if you're on the Death in Texas side, you're kind of happy if that one doesn't play because then the Dava deck needs to spend double on most of its cards. But even funnier, XJ actually had the Caracas and bounced the Thalia back to his own hands. It's like, yeah, we're going. Thank you very much. And I'm going to bounce you as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not too much a fan of, uh, Death and Texas anymore. You know that, but, uh, just Ragavan might really be a reason for playing a deck with three Caracas at the moment. Yeah, I, I see Death and Texas every now and then, like, you know, in the leagues and in the challenges. I mean, Part of it is a factor of like the deck being rather cheap, like no reserveless cards, um, even though that's less of a factor online, I would guess. But yeah, it's it shows up. It, it's one of those decks that's probably never gonna die, just because it's great magic, great gameplay, and people are willing to take like a decrease in win percentage as long as they get to play cool magic. So I mean that's that's part of like the identity of legacy for <laughs> for a long time now. I mean, people still cast Seed Shrine now and then, Matt, right? Have you heard about that? I may have heard of a Seed Shrine being cast every now and again. <laughs> okay, and here's the final one. My absolute favorite part of all of these. And this one was submitted by Nobody Knows I'm a Dog. <laughs> and yeah, so I'm just going to read it out. 
my opponent the other day managed to get Enchantress Presence and started drawing cards by casting other cards from the top of my library. So Fuck. Actually not bad, not bad. <laughs> it's like, look at me, I'm the Enchantress deck now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I wish you could get more of this kind of effects, uh, but like in a hilarious way. Uh, I remember when I, I had a donation deck list that I streamed that involved, what's the one? Um, shared fate, where you and your opponent basically switch libraries. And those also made for some of the most interesting, funniest, but also like strategic games that I ever played. And yeah, that, that just reminded me of that. Matt, are you gonna sleeve up Ragavan or Marius? Is that the card that you wanna play in Legacy? Mm. For me, that sounds like a miserable experience that I'd want to hate out. So I'm going to say no. And I think the answer is Caltrops. But anyway. Uh, yeah, for me, it's nearly the same. I don't, I, I'm not interested to play this card for myself. And, uh, when I looked at the prices, because I, yeah, I'm always a fan of, a fan of shiny and extra cards. You know what I mean? Uh, it's just too expensive, and I don't know, but I'm quite sure uh, Ragavan will not exist in so much time. In, in not Legacy long in the modern. No. Do you mean Ragavan, Renin Six? They all sound kind of similar to me. I feel like it's going to meet the same fate. <laughs> like I, I don't see this card staying around. Like if this card is as busted as we're all seeing that it is. I, I, I think mean, this card will be gone. I mean, just 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 look. Uh, twenty years ago, when Jacklepop was a card, and you just <laughs> just had twenty a years ago, <laughs> super super good one drop. Uh, who dealt perhaps four damage to an opponent, three damage to yourself if if it got bolted, and it still yep. was good. Now you get one mana two one with insane upside. And I, for I for, for for me for me Isamaru Hound of Konda is a good magic card, but. It's just not so good to play in any format anymore. Well, Isamaru actually came back last year. It was like part of the mono white Lurus deck that people talked about that was actually really good. But yeah, that, that was like zombie Isamaru coming back from a graveyard because otherwise it hasn't been good and like. Yeah, good. Lurus is banned for a good reason in Legacy. Yeah. The thing is, I'm, I, I think I'm like pretty 50-50 on whether Ragavan will ever be banned in Legacy, but I'm also pretty sure it's definitely not going to happen in the next six months, probably not in the next 12 months. It's just, while the card is kind of snowbally, it's not crazy snowbally. Like, I'm, I'm almost kind of like, no, I'm actually okay with the card. <laughs> it sounds pretty weird, I guess, but I'm, I'm kind of okay with the card for Let's as crazy say, as the it cool, is. The cool thing about Ragavan is, uh, if it stays in the format, perhaps it shifts the format uh, towards uh, more creature-based deck being played. And I like creature-based decks pretty much because just imagine you have a Talia or even a 3-3 blocking it. It should be fine. It's funny you mentioned that um, because the next section I actually wanted to talk about what the legacy metagame, at least online, has looked like during the last 14 days. So Exciting. I mean... Availability is still an issue, right? Those cards are not on the cheap side, Modern Horizons, but they are somewhat coming down like they usually do. And Matt, you're saying the metagame looks exciting. What excites you the most about what we're seeing here? Well, I mean, I'm looking, I'm looking at the link that you've posted, which is, uh, is this MGG Toppy? 
I'm Gigi Goldfish. So, like, I'm seeing Delver, which I totally expect. I see various flavors of Delver, but I'm like, ooh, I'm seeing Red Green Lands coming up. I'm seeing uh, Nether Reliquary based decks, whether it be Maverick or some sort of Depth deck or um, Agrolome. Like, I'm well, not not called Agrolome anymore, but I don't know. Very exciting. I'm really interested to see how the Dark Depths decks uh, change with the Avamea. So, I know we discussed that very briefly before, but I'm going to check out some lists. Yeah, we're, we're going to check uh, out a listen very next step here. Um, first of all, yeah, you, you're right, right? We, we got, is it Dava currently sitting at something like 8.5%? I guess, yeah. <laughs> the 0.5 doesn't really matter when you, when you have this small of a sample size. So this, it's like 23 decks. Uh, we also have Hogak, which is a deck we talked about, um, last week as one of the potential sleeper decks in the format. And Hogak is especially interesting because, it has like two different flavors of Hogak going on right now, which we will explore in a minute here. Third most successful deck, Elves at 4%. And you, you already see like these numbers are rather small. Like I've seen broken legacy games, meta games where we had like 20%, 15% for like the top decks. But here we're sitting at like eight, six, four. And then like in fourth place, we, we have like Sneak Show and Bond Miracles tied. Like at this point, it's not even like worthy to, to speak about num- numbers because they're getting so small. But yeah, these these are the decks that are doing well right now. The Knight of the Reliquary deck that you saw here, um, I think that's one of those those green white depth lists. But it's really hard to tell because people are currently like trying various kinds of flavors of depth saga. Oh, totally, Knight. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that that's the kind of deck I would see you playing, Matt. I don't know. That's, that's oh, like that's... I I'm looking at this list right here, which is some sort of yeah green white. I mean, I'm not sure why you're not playing black, but anyway, let's... I mean, I'm seeing Knight of Autumn, Knight of the Reliquary, Crop Rotation, Mox Diamond, Sylvan Li- three Sylvan Libraries. This is right up my alley. I'm seeing... But Retrofitter Foundry? Interesting, right? Three Yavimaya Cradle Growth. Like, this is a very interesting list. I'm definitely interested. I see Glacial Chasm in the sideboard. We're definitely playing this deck. This seems... Yeah, you're actually talking about the deck list that I have in the show notes here. We're also going to link that on, oh. on the website. This is <laughs> this is the one that Sharkcaster Mage, Rodrigo Togoros, has been playing online. I think he finished second in one of the most recent Legacy Challenges. And yeah, that, that's just like one of the many decks that have been splashing, or like quote-unquote splashing Urza Saga, because literally Urza Saga is everywhere now. The Affinity deck where we originally saw it, which we are still like quite hyped about, is almost entirely gone. It was hated very, very hard, and I'm not sure people really know how to build it yet, and that includes me. Like, I can't tell you how to build it, but I think that's one of the reasons why it's not really showing up anymore. It's hated out very efficiently, and it's also like there's too many different builds floating around, so unless somebody comes forward as Mr. or Mrs. Affinity, we we probably don't know how good that deck is going to be in the long run, but it's probably like one of those decks, you know, once the, the hate dies down, people stop playing um, Meltdown and stuff, it might show up. But for now, I, I looked at the most recent successful lists. We have literally Urza Saga in Lance, Post, Urza Stompy, Painter, Green White Dark Depth, and Delva, and just <laughs> it's everywhere. It's amazing. Yeah, and like you mentioned, right? It's also in this deck as just like a one-off, but you can still find it like with your four Elfish Reclaimer. You can use your four crop rotations to find it. You can use your uh Ramu excavator to rebuy it from the graveyard. And yeah, once once you've used it, the final mode of the card is gonna be turning into either Mox Diamond or Retrofitter Foundry. And Retrofitter Foundry is good. Like I'm not excited about the card, but it's probably the best main deckable card for, for a deck like this. And it's just a game plan all of its own. And 
on top of that, you're playing your regular game plan, you know, run out the knight, make the knight pick, get the 2020 token. If they saw it, said you're going to draw infinite cards with Seven Library. I'm excited for this deck. Marius, do you like this deck? Oh, I just saw the next level of the deck, just just for fun. If you add Creon uh, uh, Ranger or Script Ranger, you can bounce Urza Saga to gain tokens every turn. With oh, uh, oh man. <laughs> Uh, no, the, 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 the list looks sweet. Uh, Retrofitter Foundry, of course, for searching with Urza Saga. Um, I guess it's only as a one-off in the deck because all the other lands are necess necessary in this list. Plus, uh, with four Thespian stage, of course, you can copy the, uh, Urza Saga once you've found it. Oh god, and that is so complicated. We actually, we talked about it for like half a day in our Discord the other day to, to really make sure how Thespian stage and Saga works. And Matt, I, I, I guess, um, how do you think it interacts? Because this is, this is quite complicated. What do you think happens when you copy a Saga with Thespian stage? I'm gonna explain it in a minute. I'm just gonna, I just wanna. Uh, so I will bet, okay, you don't get any lore. Do you not get lore count? How would that work? You know what? I'm not 100% sure. Walk me through it. Yeah, nobody is. <laughs> okay, so for those listening who don't know yet, the way it works is when you copy Orsa Saga with Thespian Stage, it doesn't matter which level the Saga is on right now. Um, it starts from zero. On your very next, I think it triggers on your pre-combat main phase, the Thespian Stage, that is a Saga now, is going to get the first ability, which is to tap for colorless mana. On the second turn, or rather, yeah, on the second turn from then, it's going to get the ability to make the tokens. And then on the third turn, it triggers on your upkeep uh, to sacrifice it and search for something. But, and <laughs> this is this is the, the really messed up part, if you then use the saga to copy another land, you still get to search. So you copied another land now, but you still get to search. This is so unintuitive because usually what? like cards like this, yeah, cards like this usually have a clause Let's say if you do, you know, like standstill. If standstill, like if you do, then you get to do this. If you sacrifice, then you get to do this. This one doesn't. This one's just like, yeah, you sacrifice it as part of the effect and you search. But since it's a different land now, and it's it's so unintuitive to me, but that's that's just how it works. So you get to so search. So you get to search and don't have to sacrifice it, or and oh. you don't have to sacrifice it. And the wow. best part okay. is the ability sticks around. The ability to make tokens actually sticks around. So you, so, let's say you copy the basic forest now, that basic forest till the end of the game will be able to tap for, to tap and make a construct token. Okay, wouldn't have assumed that ever. Nobody knows how that works. It's so crazy unless you and, um, okay, Now, 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 Julian, just a question. Assuming you have a Thespian stage and you copied the Urza Saga, afterwards you uh, make the, th the Thespian stage to a basic forest. And afterwards, the opponent plays a Blood Moon. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Does the fir <laughs> does the forest uh, has still the ability because it's a basic forest? Does it still have the ability of the Urza Saga? Yes. Really? No. Okay. <laughs> so obviously, now, so now obviously this is the game plan. Now we're running some sort of deck that runs Urza Saga and Blood Moon, right? So we can, like you know, we set up. So we can make a bunch of tokens, then we slam the Blood Moon, lock our opponents out, and then we create constructs. Yeah, we would be doing that like 15 years ago in Legacy when, when you had time to do that, I think. <laughs> Julian, Julian, just, just a moment. But Blood Sun still, uh, does deny the ability then because 
I can read all lands, lose all abilities except mana abilities. It counts for basic lands too. The thing is, I have no idea how it works with Blood Sun because I don't know which like layer that one is in. I, I can actually look that up for the next cast or maybe somehow, wow. somebody in Discord or on Twitter can let us know at EternalMTG. Hey, Julian here, we're editing. So since we at least like to pretend that we have some educational value on this podcast, I actually went and looked up all the corner case scenarios regarding Blood Sun. And I want to share them with you, especially with regards to how it works uh, different from Blood Moon. So, very basic, your Thespian stage copies the saga, gains the first two abilities, then copies something else. Now, when Blood Moon comes down, it doesn't matter whether it copied a basic land or a non-basic land. It will actually still keep the ability to produce colorless mana and create constructs. That's because Blood Moon happens in layer 4 and the other two abilities are added in layer 6, which happens later. So you will end up with a mountain that still has the ability to produce constructs. Pretty, pretty insane, right? <laughs> so Marius is now talking about Blood Sun, which unlike Blood Moon has the ability that says lands lose all abilities other than I think mana abilities. So that actually happens in layer 6. And since both those things, um, Blood Sun, as well as the, the abilities granted to produce constructs and colorless mana are granted in layer 6, that means it becomes an issue of timestamp. And timestamp means whatever happened later on in the game actually takes precedence. So you end up with whatever you copied minus all the non-mana abilities. So for example, say you copied a fetch land and then the Blood Sun comes down, you end up with a land that only has one ability left, and that is to tap for a colorless mana, which it got from the chapter 1 ability, because the Blood Sun is not taking that one away. The Blood Sun still allows you to tap for a colorless mana. If you copy, say, a Reshaden Port, you can actually tap it for colorless mana, actually for two reasons. First of all, because of the uh, chapter ability, as well as because Port inherently has that ability, but you can't use it to port anyone. So if you want to shut down all of these Thespian stage shenanigans, uh, Blood Sun is even better than Blood Moon. For, for the reason being that Blood Moon needs to be in play before the Thespian stage has gained the abilities, whereas Blood Sun can come down at any point and it will just like shut down everything really hard. So if you're really into the rules, now you might be wondering, is there any way for the Blood Sun to get an earlier timestamp? than the abilities being granted um, to the land. Which, for practical reasons, it's near impossible. It's never going to come up. Technically, there is, which would be to phase out the Blood Sun, then pull off your shenanigans, then the Blood Sun phases back in. But this is this is so so far out there, like, not even I would try to do that. Not, not even Callum would try to do that. And, and I guess that already says a lot. Yes, Blood Sun, best card confirmed. All right. This is going to be like the humility situation, like with George, and then you'll sit there and be like, "Yes, it actually happens like this." And then, I, oh I no! And and I and I volunteered to uh, judge the next paper tournament in Allen for free. Oh my god! Oh, you're gonna you're gonna uh, okay, you're gonna judge that tournament. Um, something you should also know is if you have Urza's Saga and your opponent plays a Blood Moon it's instantly gonna die because at that point it's gonna turn while it's gonna turn into a mountain it's still a saga because it's not gonna lose that type that card type and that means that it's gonna be a saga with um 
a final chapter count of zero and was like it's a chapter count zero. It's it's super messed up. Basically, remember, yeah, but it just uh, I, I I I knew this. Uh, you knew this. I don't, I, I don't know uh, who told me, but I knew this. Awesome, awesome. So yeah, one thing I want to point out about the stack, by the way, that I was like quite confused about when I first saw it. It plays a Thrawn foundry in the sideboard. And the last time I saw the card is when I bought the World Championship decks in like 2000, you know, like yeah. Kaibuda, Metal Pie and stuff. Why is that in there? For those wondering, it's an enchant, uh, it's an artifact, one colorless, and you can activate uh, it for colorless tapping it and exiling it. And target player shuffles their graveyard into their, their library, basically. And back then, I think it only existed for, like, decks that tried to mill you. Like, I literally don't remember what it was used for 20 years ago. But what people are doing with it now is... I mean, people... <laughs> I mean, this guy, right? This guy... People is probably, like, pushing it. This guy is using it as a target for Urza Saga to shuffle the Doomsday cards back into the Doomsday deck once... That, uh, Thassa's Oracles in play. It's kind of like the same situation as with Endurance when you, you shuffle, you know, maybe they, they have Street Wraith in the graveyard, maybe they have Ideas Unbound in the graveyard, maybe Lines of Diamond and stuff. And with the Thassa's Oracle trigger on the stack, you shuffle those cards back. Thassa does nothing unless you only shuffle back two. And then you win the game because they can't win the game anymore. I, I kinda like that. Yeah, I it's mean, a cool, it's a cool take. Obviously. Yeah. But it, to be honest, uh, personally, I would, uh, Ah no, no, he has endurance. I thought uh, if there would would be plays, uh, I would perhaps just go for one crypt two to have faster graveyard hate. But um, endurance is just a better card in this case. Yeah, yeah, that, there's a trade off, right? You can have um, uh, relic, but I think Thrawn Foundry is just like better than relic, especially with like no Tarmogoyfs and stuff in the format. And endurance is as well. One for the uh, plus, yeah, I don't think you want re you want um, relic of progenitus with uh, knight of the relic in your own deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. excavator. Excavator, yeah. That that's a good point. Was good point as well. I, I really like this deck just because, like, when you think about it, it's. I would guess it's pretty decent against like these blue red style vampires that are going around. Like one of the centerpiece cards of your deck is Elvish Reclaimer three four. Your knight is usually going to be bigger than their removal spells. And you, you got a combo that can somewhat be disrupted by Wasteland, but you're not like entirely dependent on the combo. Uh, you, you have sorts of plowshares, which is good against like the high end, like the Merc type regions and stuff. I don't know. This, this is the kind of card that, the kind of deck that excites me as well. And this I think is... it should also be like pretty decent against Bond Miracles. Yeah. I'd be into playing this deck or some variation of this. Any Knight of the Reliquary deck, I'm getting excited. Matt, this would really be the thing for you. If, like, if you ever started paper up again, and you, you should definitely like get into this. Also, there's like three chokes. That's really for you, right? You like, you love choking people. Oof. <laughs> awesome. So moving on, here's another interesting deck. This one is by Reanimator Fiend. And I think this one got a 5-0 in one of the leagues. And we already talked about how Hogak has a couple of different builds. And like at this point, this is barely Hogak anymore. This is literally Chant Madness. And this is one of the cards that Callum was more, most excited for, uh, during the last couple of casts. This one has Blazing Rootwaller, which is basically a red version of Basking Rootwaller. Like both are the, the Rootwallers with Madness Zero that you can play. Uh, the other cards in the deck, like you play four Patrip Imp, um, and then you play four Asylum Visitor. Guys, do you know what Asylum Visitor does? Nope, looking I it up. I just have now. to look it up. <laughs> 
I'm actually also gonna open the deck list because I don't want. Oh my god, it's a commander card. Sound sounds like a skeleton. Ah no. Asylum visitor. One and a black. Three one creature. Vampire wizard. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, if that player has no cards in hand, you draw a card and you lose one life. Madness cost. One and a black. And it's a three one, right? Matt, if if wizards ever like introduced, I don't know. Voiceovers for for arena or something they're probably gonna hire you do you think thank you and i've been told i have a <laughs> great radio voice a soothing voice <laughs> so yeah this is one of the the engine cards for the stack right so the idea is you you get rid of all the stuff that you have and i guess if the opponent also doesn't have anything it also triggers on their turn um but that's probably gonna not gonna come up all that much even though you have burning inquiries or uh, but that card is is kind of cool. It's basically drawing you two cards a turn uh, at the cost of having to discard one. But like with most of your deck, it, here it's an actual upside, right? You, you have a ton of madness cards um, that are gonna attack with it. So this is this is the kind of thing you really want to stick to the board and and then just write the advantage. Yeah, it looks like a really solid aggro deck. Like it, like really really fast, really fast. Yeah, this this is basically the idea, right? You. All the, the creatures that you get, they're not exactly exciting, like the root wallers. Um, you can pump them to like three power, which is kind of nice, but that's, <laughs> eventually they're going to be outclassed. But here you also get to reload. You have Annie's Ravager, whatever that is supposed to be. Um, but this one is, uh, we, we've seen that sometimes in red stompy decks. It's yep, a I know it. Yes, yes, yes. You can refill your hand. Draw, yeah. If you, you discard your hand and draw, draw uh, three cards if it attacks and it has to attack every turn. Yeah, yeah, basically. I'm, I'm actually gonna just like read that out so people can like understand what it is. Um, um, so this one, it's a 3-3 Vampire Berserker to colorless and a red. It attacks every combat if able. And when it does, you discard your hand, you draw three new cards. And this one also has madness, a colorless and a red. So together with, uh, Asylum Visitor, that's already like another one of the, the combo cards. Because usually with decks like this, they somewhat suffer from like not having enough enablers, but these are already like eight pretty solid cards. And then you also have Burning Inquiry, which is probably like the, the least powerful enabler. Um, but it also, I guess, makes for the craziest starts once you involve Wrenchmine. Uh, Burning Inquiry, by the way, sorcery are red. Each player draws three cards, then discards three cards at random. Uh, wouldn't be, like wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't be Hollow One good in this deck or do I miss something? Uh, I, Guess you could play that. I I don't hate it. You you would need to cut something though, right? And if you look at ah, the deck, so I think okay, okay. So all the stuff in the deck is just better than Hollow One. So no need for it of this uh, in this case. Yes. Yeah, I I don't really see anything you could really cut for it. Um, there's another new card that was recently printed, Kitchen Imp. It technically it's a three a f three colorless and a black two two flying haste imp. But it also has madness for just one black mana. And people have called this card like the Black Diver, right? Um, it's, it has one less power, but it basically, it's already kind of flipped and it gets to attack on the very first turn. So it's kind of like a similar clock to Diver. And this deck, I've, I haven't played against it yet. Of course, it also has Wrenchwine. I could see it killing like on the third turn quite regularly. Like I mean, there's probably like insane draws with like double Wrenchwine that kill on like the second turn or something, but. I mean, I see Vengevine, and it takes me back to 2010, 2011 survival days when I was playing Bug Lands Hill and packing extra paint. Oh my god, those were the times. <laughs> yeah, the, the beautiful thing about the stack actually is like it's not that susceptible to, to graveyard hate, right? Like all of your stuff already 
it comes from what used to be called the madness zone by the way which would be a great name for like an underground club or something the madness zone <laughs> yeah i i know when we tested last time against uh Hogak deck i uh used to play uh band it's, it was in times when astrolabe was still legal and i played in the sideboard containment priest as graveyard head and the card did absolutely nothing <laughs> because he could my opponent could cast uh Hogak as well and uh there was another card who was ca was two casts from the graveyard so it did not really uh do anything yeah this is this is really going to punish you if you're going to rely on that kind of stuff and if you don't have like a good defense because all of these cards are just, just going to like pass you by and they're go they're going to get you pr pretty fast i think this could even like kill combo decks rather quickly like what doesn't have in the sideboard i guess it has like two mind back traps then four ley lines if, if that's good i like that it has sudden edicts ah oh, that, that that's the card we talked about as as like messing up grizzle brand like when when you pass love pass it. off a grizzle brand to a sudden edict yeah you you love it the opponent's gonna hate it <laughs> it just makes me sad because i have these nice korean diabolic edicts i'm like ah shit yeah i know someone who has exactly the same problem as you that's Mr. Shu. He's basically the butt end of all of your jokes. He, he bought, he bought, <laughs> he bought uh, two uh, foil diabolic edict. You know these cool old frame diabolic edicts. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and then he literally vomited it when they printed Liliana's Triumph. And then Modern Horizons <laughs> the very 2 second came out. It, he vomited on his and uh, <laughs> he just said no comment. <laughs> poor guy, poor guy. <laughs> looking looking at the side by the way there's another card that um that's actually a new one bone shards have you seen that before i think we didn't even talk about it in the spoiler for modern horizons 2 no i don't remember if you did i'm looking here now bone shards is a black sorcery for one black as an additional cost to cast the spell sacrifice a creature or discard a card destroy target creature or planeswalker that's not bad that's not bad yeah, in this deck, it's basically the, the black sorts the plowshares at sorcery speed, and you, you can also hit planeswalkers, which I guess this That's deck actually uh, doesn't care about. I, I, uh, now, because I already thought, hey, bone shards, I, I had seen this card, I have seen this card before, but it was bone splinters, where mm. you sacrifice a creature and destroy a target creature, but with bone shards, the opponent sacrifices a creature or planeswalker. Ah, that's the difference. Didn't yeah, you, you, you destroy the creature planeswalker, but I guess that's really gonna be much of a difference. No, but no, it's both. It's both destroy. It's not sacrifice. No. Sorry, bone splinters as an additional cost to play. Bone splinters sacrifice a creature, destroy target creature. Bone shards as an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a creature, or the ah, or discard a card, destroy target creature or planeswalker. Okay, it's in uh, two cases better than bone splinters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The discard a card is a big deal, oh, right? Yeah. Because that's an upside for you. Yeah, and I'd like to see Ancient Grudge here as well, if you're chucking shit in the bin anyway, like, whoops, flashback. Like, I don't know, this seems like a very interesting area. I would love to see this deck run and just see how lean it is. Like, just just see its momentum, right? It's kind, it's kind of refreshing to have, like, a prop... Like, I, I mean, this deck has not arrived in Legacy as in, like, oh, yeah, this is part of the metagame right now, right? We, we've seen this deck now in the, in the hand of Reanimator Fiend, and maybe more people are actually gonna, like, be packing this because it's, it sounds pretty amazing. And I'm just... Matt, you know what I mean, right? I'm Marius here as well. Like, we, we used to have a time where people cast, like, 
wild mechanics and and got in there like where the aggro deck was not 2011 like, tempo cult. based yeah. but quote unquote fair as in like you know just attack make creatures play burn spells and even though this is like much more degenerate and broken <laughs> that was some good honest magic fierce. you just cast spells if you, and you turn creatures sideways if you consider how long uh the game is now active it was not too long ago to be honest it was like 10 years ago like 11 really Yep, yeah. ten years ago you could still play Zoo, because I remember when I was training up to uh to go to Providence uh for the twenty eleven GP, which actually just happened ten years ago this month, which makes me feel very old. Um you know, I was playing in Zoo deck still. Like Zoo was actually decked. I was playing black white dead guy ale with vampire nighthawks, and I did quite well against Zoo. So that goes to show you how much the game has changed. Was that the GP where uh Chain Shu almost killed out of you? Yes, that is the one. Oh, you you sound oddly excited for that. <laughs> See, at the time it was scary, but now it was looking back, it's a fond memory that I almost died. Yeah, because like you you drove a car like all all the way across Canada or something, all the way to Providence or something. I think like, what you, we should do is crazy. you know what? We'll put that on a separate episode. We'll bring James Sue on, and we'll talk about that trip ten years the, later. The best travel stories. I I was actually considering doing something like that. You know, as a fill episode when there's nothing coming up, we can actually like talk about our favorite magic trips and stuff. That that would be something. We should do it. Let, let us hear about whether you want to know more about that. <laughs> about how Matt got almost kid. Uh, yeah. So ex- super excited for this deck. We're going to link it in the show notes. And this is, this is the madness that's going on in legacy right now. Uh, I think a lot of people initially felt rather down on the format when we saw that Blue Red Diver is doing really, really well. And I mean, it's still a great deck. I, I also like picked it up from card order. I played it for, for a couple of leagues and I really loved it. But I don't know, it, it certainly doesn't feel nearly as broken as previous super broken iterations of Diver that we had, uh, like that eventually like cost bans, like Deathrite Shaman stuff. Yeah, you know, Deathrite Shaman was for sure on another level. Rest in peace. So, so where these, um, nah, these ancestral cards, what's, what was the name? Treasure Cruise. Treasure- Treasure, yeah, 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 of course. That, <laughs> that, that's way more broken than anything we're seeing right now. So I'm, I'm excited and I'm also happy to see that people are doing well with these kind of crazy brews. But in speaking of crazy brews, I wanted to make our next segment about what's going on in Delva. But uh, as I like took a deep dive into what people are doing to Delva, I discovered an even crazier deck that's, <laughs> that's going on. Like, just talking about Delva, I think we can quickly talk about that something I noticed is that they started playing Dismember. And since Interesting. I initially I was like, I have no idea why you like why you're doing this. You can just like play I mean, some do splash white for sorts of plowshares, right? If you if you want that kind of effect. But turns out the main reason is they don't want to splash an extra color while still having something that kills endurance. At least that's my reading of the situation, because anything else you play in, in blue or red. It's not really going to be a permanent solution against endurance. So you, you're willing to give up those four points of life to just like kill the endurance. Okay. That's interesting. Which decks have the, uh, consistent double green mana to run, uh, endurance in main deck apart from, uh, Maverick? Well, you don't need, you don't need double green, right? Or is oh? it? I, I see. I don't even remember. <laughs> it depends if you're going to hard, if you're talking about hard casting it versus evoking it, right? That's the difference, right? Yeah, but if you evoke it, you can't block with it, of course, you because you have to sacrifice it immediately. Yeah, good point. I mean, I guess I guess Delver's like, hey, your uh, one uh, green green three four flash reach beats my Delver all day. I guess we need something to beat that card. The thing is, like, if you, if you're not playing, um, if you're not playing a Delver deck. 
then like 70% of the decks that are left in the format are probably playing Endurance or just don't care about being beaten down by a Jabba anyway because they are like, you know, like Uxla spells or something. At least that's that's how I understand it. Or because they're like, for example, like this 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 deck that we just talked about, which is probably just going to be faster. So it's like, yeah, I'm not even going to bother with Endurance. Yep. Because the card is like super influential right now. Well, time to go buy some. I oh, you, you would buy it uh, for sure. No, I haven't. Play, it's also one of those cards that's play, probably going to be good for a long time. Play it. One in main deck in Merrick, three in sideboard, no need for further graveyard hit. <laughs> so moving on, like the deck that I eventually arrived at was the Dava deck that actually cuts all Davas and won the most recent Legacy Challenge, I think on this Sunday, in the hands of our Legacy Council dude, Arkan from the Czech Republic. And I tried to name the deck and I eventually gave up. I, I, I used to call it like Blue White Red Saga Dread Still Monkey Action. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> this deck is Blue White Red. The only creatures it plays, I, I guess the four Raga ones count as the core of the deck. Then you have two Merc-type regions to finish them off in the late game. You also have like the occasional True Name Nemesis. And then you also have like one Dre uh, Phyrexian Dreadnought. And you play four Stifles, for Ponda, for Brainstorm, four Sorts to Plowshares, four Days, four Forces. And then I, I realized, okay, why is this deck playing Phyrexian Dreadnought? Like it's cute that when you can sometimes get it off with Stifle. But you actually play four words of saga in this deck as well. This is greed, guys. Greed, greed is good. So basic, basic, basically, basically, Arkham took uh, all busted cards from Modern Horizons, four words of saga, four Ragavan, and two Merktide Regents, and put them into one deck to have all of them. Yeah, and you won the Legacy Challenge with it, like yeah, the deck, people. the deck, <laughs> the deck looks uh, looks looks sweet for sure. The the only thing I uh, really um, Pity is that uh, the start Ragaran into standstill does not let you cast the um, exiled cards, but you of course still get the treasure token. So fair enough. I pity the fool who touches my monkey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this uh. I don't know. I, I'm actually quite excited about this deck because, like, usually the idea where when when one of the best things to do is to be, let's say, fast then the next best thing to do, maybe the better thing actually to do, is to be slightly slower than that deck, but not su significantly super slow, just to like, you know, get them. And and this is actually what's happening here, right? You you, you just like, you cut the divers, you cut some more of what you could be doing with your early mana threats, or you, you know, maybe you just stifle them. But I'm, I'm just so excited to see the Words of Sagas actually doing a thing here. And you also got, you got other targets, you got the Soul Guide Lantern, you got the Retrofitter Foundry, um, not too hot on those, but then again, we're sitting on a brainstorm deck, and I guess even the lantern just replaces itself. <sighs> I, Plus, in a, in a, in the three color deck, uh, don't miss the three prismatics endings in the sideboard. This this card is really really nuts. This is actually really good, right? You you're getting like what card is that again? That are much easier to cast. Uh, prismatic ending. It costs Remember that uh, card, Matt. one X. white and and X. And to exile target non-land permanent, so enchantments, artifacts, planeswalkers too, um, for the amount of different mana you spend with oh, it. Conver converge. Yes, that's interesting. Yeah, I think the original idea for a card like this is usually like you you hit something equal to X, but they actually made it even better. They they also count the white mana already. And I think when I read their their notes that some black posted, I think the original idea was to not count the white. 
So originally you would need to pay two mana to get rid of a Delver, but now you only need to pay the one mana. So for a lot of decks where you want early removal, it's just like, you know, your additional copies of Salts to Plowshares. Exciting deck. Really exciting. Oh, and also we see Nyrot on the sideboard. Um, <laughs> oh, we see, we see Grim Lava Mans on the sideboard. Now that's yeah, exciting. Yeah, we're bringing it back. What does it actually do for you in the meta game right now? Like you're, I guess you can shoot down the Divers. You can't hit the Dragon Raids channeler. You're not going to kill Marktech regions. You can kill Ragavan. Um, Ragavan is all yeah, that matters. On like turn two or three. Yeah. In the worst case, you just uh, block Ragavan and trade one for one. <laughs> no, but um, in late game you can, or, or in mid game, uh, if you have, uh, in, I mean the list has four, four sort of closures, two lightning bolt. If he has spit out his removal and traded one for one and slams out down the uh, lava monster, he has another threat that uh, can stop any further cast Ragavan. That's not too bad. Yeah. And That's of course, and, and point, of course. Right? And of course, uh, many other match, uh, matchups where you need additional spot removal. I guess elves shouldn't be too good for this deck. I mean, he has six spot removal, but in the whole deck, I only see in the sideboard one Grim Lava Monster and one Engineered Explosives. Yeah, okay, the prismatics, prismatics ending works, works too, but, um, no, mass removal can be, can be hard to beat elves with that. Yeah, I, I don't want to say elves eats the stack alive, um, because like this, this is not how it works in Legacy, but I, I would feel pretty comfortable playing elves. That, that's the thing about elves right now, right? I think the deck isn't getting too much hate. Um, black is very under, not underplayed in the sense that it should be played more because it's good. It's just like, there's not much reason to play black in the format right now, even though I started running in a couple more plague engineers. But right, right now it's all about like blue, red, blue, red, white, um, green, white, bond, that, that kind of stuff. Like, all, almost all the color combinations issue, um, like black, because nobody really wants to be in black and legacy right now. But maybe, you know, maybe that's going to come back and then I'm not going to be as happy as I am about Fs right now. This deck, this deck is something. I, I, I like when Arkan turns to his mad brewing mode. <laughs> <laughs> and here's another one, by the way. Um, this is just like something I, I looked up a couple more 5-0 lists that were just released to, to basically round things out. And, I know that Marius is not going to like this deck, but this is Ruck Painter. And this is basically straightforward Ruck midrange. It has like three Endurance, two Tarmogolfs, three Oros, four Ponder, two Preordain, four Brainstorm, so four Forces, four Lightning Bolt, three Force of Negation. Like this is straight up Ruck midrange. And then you have four Painter Servant. <laughs> Next level Thresh plus Painter Grindstone combo. Yeah, that's the thing, right? You have the grindstone. And at that point, I realized, okay, this is what's going on. Of course, you're playing four or it's a saga in the side, uh, in, in the, in the main deck again. And those sagas are going to find your grindstone or your soul guide lantern retro. Dude, this, I, I can really like this retrofit of foundries and soul guide lantern. <laughs> well, uh, on our Wednesday evening, I, uh, always play against, uh, Daniel's infect and, Retrofit of Roundy is really the deal. The card is just awesome. Even better, of course, if you play uh, four copies of Ornithopter with it and these outcast changelings. But um, if the card on its own can generate that, mu that much uh, value or stress for your opponent, I really underestimated it a long, long time. Okay, maybe I should revisit it. Um, I, I wasn't too impressed with it, but maybe I just didn't 
end up in the right spot. Well, maybe I, re I used to draw. That could also be it. You, you like this deck, Marius? I know that you like Painter in the first place, right? But you're more like a mono-red Painter guy. Uh, I just don't see the necessity to play Painter in this kind of deck. <laughs> <laughs> He's a pu purist. Like, Uru is broken. W what the fuck? I mean, he, the, the deck contains mono... Mono good stuff cards. I, I like Endurance. I like Tamogolf. No, sorry. I don't like Tamogolf. Tamogolf is a shitty card for me. I like Endurance. I like Uro. Brainstorm, Force of Will, Lightning Bolt. All good cards. But I don't see the necessity to play Painter in this deck. Because without the, the Grindstone, Painter will do nothing here. Ex apart from uh, being a super good blocker for Ragavan. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you have one Pyroblast main deck, but that's pretty much it. And you can pitch additional, like, different cards to your forces. But yeah, that's not why you run Painter. I think the reasoning actually comes from the other side. You, you want to run the Far Orts of Saga in this deck. And then at that point, you're like, what else can I do with that kind of effect? And then you're, you're like, okay, I guess I can grab a grindstone. And then if I already have my, yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's, it but still then, still amazing. then, I would, I would, uh, much more prefer to go with, uh, one or two dreadnoughts and for Stifle, especially since Stifles are awesome with Uro too. <laughs> See, we're, we're developing the Slowly deck. Slowly but surely. Yeah, we're gonna cut all the good cards, Arkham. I, I, I guess, uh, it was a donation for Arkham and he just played it good, so the 5-0 worked. Uh, it, just a guess. Perhaps I'm totally wrong. Um, but, uh, for me, a uh, Painter deck uh, has to look another in another way, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> we brought you a second deck. Um, it's a modern deck. This is a modern deck. I yeah. I don't even know how to call it. This is like Colossus Hammer Master yeah, it's, Race. Whatever. I like it's the it. hammer. It's the hammer. This deck it, swings a very big hammer. hammer. Yeah. This card play. It plays four Colossus Hammer, which is an artifact. Uh, how does it actually work? I don't uh, actually. Let me look it up. Uh, it's an extremely cheap artifact that gives plus 10, plus yeah, 10. Costs and one, equip actually. creature <laughs> loses flying. It costs just one. Uh, the problem is that equipping costs 10 mana. So you literally eight, eight won't equip it. Eight? Oh, okay, sorry. Then eight. Oh, but bargain, eight, eight is too much, uh, of course, too. But uh, with uh, Sigada's eight or the uh, Pure Steel Paladin, it equips automatically uh, on a creature you control. And then you just, just, uh, smash in with it. And that's basically a modern deck, um, with addition of Caracas, Ancient Tomb, Ancient Den. Um, one of our guys has this deck really foiled out and plays it every, every Wednesday we play. That looks pretty fun. And how good is, is this in modern? Is this actually doing something in modern? It's good versus decks who lack, uh, spot removal. Maybe you can play like Squadron Hawk or something in that deck to just like have a bunch of like random dudes to carry the the, the hammer. Um, no, there, there there was just a moment. It does not. It does. If the if the hammer is in play, it just equips once. Just a moment. Ah, here it is. Yeah, but but the thing so is, the, the hammer. Paladin. Uh, yes, yes, but you need it too. What uh, would work uh, is, for example, a flicker wisp on the Colossus hammer. So you you, oh, you cast okay. the you cast the hammer, and it with the goddess eight it equips automatically under uh, on a creature you control. And if the creature 
dies, the hammer stays normally unattached uh, on the battlefield forever. But if you flicker it in and out, you can attach it once more. And, and that's because of Sigarda's aid. We should actually mention what the card does. That's an enchantment. Yeah, one white. No, no. One one white mana. You may cast aura and equipment spells at four day head flesh. Whenever an equipment enters the battlefield under your control, you may attach it to target creature you control. And that's why flicker is actually works if you flicker the hammer. Otherwise, we'll just like unattach or just like do nothing. Correct. I see, I see. And then you play three copies of Steel Shaper's Gift, which is Enlightened Tutor for... Actually, why wouldn't you play Enlightened Tutor for this anyway? Oh, because it adds it to your hand. Sweet. So for one colorless at sorcery speed, you get to search your library for an equipment and just put it into your hand. You also, and of course, you have four Stoneforge Mystics. You have four Ornithopta, which I guess... Oh, yeah, yeah. You see, we actually have, we have an engine. We have Retrofit or Foundry, which is going to give us more tokens to, to equip the hammer to. And I would guess, yeah, of course, we also have four Urza Saga. This card is everywhere. Of course. Kind of <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and then there's the, the aforementioned four pure steel paladins. And this one means whenever, um, an equipment comes into play on your side, you actually draw a card. But also, once you have Metalcraft, you can equip stuff at zero cost. So you can, like, move the hammer around as if it was, like, Correct. nothing. Correct. So, uh, you, uh, the way to fight this deck is to uh, remove or counter the pure steals and to handle the Colossus hammers. Actually, Nyrath really, wouldn't I, even do it. Like once no, the hammers no, no, attached. no, Nyrath or or Stony Silence would not help it. This is this is this is pretty sweet. I don't know. Um, I, I remember that there was a pure steel paladin where you played like a ton of zero mana equipments and basically drew your entire deck. But I think that was more like a modern thing that people did, or maybe even standard. I don't remember. But this is. Like, what are you gonna do? Like, 10, 10, and, oh, but it doesn't get trampled. <gasps> no, it doesn't get trampled. <sighs> but just imagine an Esper Sentinel, uh, Sentinel, uh, carrying, um, Colossus Hammer. So the opponent has to pay 11 mana for his first non-creature spell he casts. I think people barely pay for the Esper Sentinel attacks. Like, they, they sometimes pay it when it's like one power, but as soon as it gets to two, they just outright ignore it and try to kill it. <laughs> yeah. This is this is something. This one, by the way, was played by Southpaw forty one YS Southpaw Ways. Yeah, I guess that's what it is. Um, we're also going to link it in the show notes. It also plays three copies of Nettlesist, uh, one of the new Modern Horizon cards. That's what's, basically just a moment. Ju what's what's Nettlesist? I, I was just going to mention that it's one of the new Modern Horizon two cards. It's Living Weapon, and the creature gets plus one plus one for each artifact. Or enchantments that you control. It's kind of like an improved version of Cranium. Obviously, it's the helps your win condition when you use Destiny Spinner to equip ah, that, and okay. then you just go extra big. I don't know. Ah, why can't this be an enchantment <laughs> to play? Just four copies, four copies in enchantments for uh, big butter booms. Is that what we call it? Is that the official charm enchantment, big butter boom? <laughs> oh, guys. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of amazing stuff going on in Legacy. It's not only Ragawan and, and other bullshit, even though that's one of the best things you can do right now. But I think just the sheer fact that Endurance exists balances out a lot of the power that that could have because now that deck is forced into playing, you know, weird, weird stuff like Dismember or Splash Extra Colors and stuff, which in turn is going to make it weaker against like a lot of other good things that are going on in the metagame right now. So I'm I'm still excited. I've played more Magic Online than I I have in quite a while lately. So that that's usually like a good sign for me that, that things are going very well. 
what would you play right now? I'm actually wondering. Because I already mentioned I want to play elves. I want to play, you know, two or three copies of Runafowl in the sideboard, which is just absolutely amazing. It's not only good against most of the Delver decks right now. It gets rid of their Merc-type region, which is such a big deal. Um, there's a lot of Marit Large floating around that you get to hit with that card. Because they have to sacrifice the creature, they also can't, like, it's a cheery step to protect it. It's... All around, I'm feeling really happy with elves. I'm also playing the four, uh, usually like three copies of Assassin's Trophy over Abrupt Decay because there's really not much I want to like trade down on um, mana-wise, but I'm happy to to use that like also on the Merc-type regions or break up like Dark Depth combos or like weird combos in the first place. Get rid of a Tabernacle. I don't know. Elves right now feels the most fluid it has ever been and what it is capable of. We we still like randomly kill people on the, on the second turn. But I've also had like, like, you know, super grindy games where we like get there on the 17th turn by attacking with two elfish visionaries or something. So I'm, I'm very happy with where Ash is right now. Matt, what, after you've seen what's going on in the format right now, what would you register to a I'd tournament? I'd be trying next out weekend? that green white deck, uh, the green white, uh, depth deck. Cause I'm a big fan of the Royal Quarry, have been for a long, long time. I really like endurance. I don't know. I think this is a really interesting deck that I'd just love to smash people about the face with. So You're not interested in the hammer? I mean, the hammer is very interesting, but uh, I think you can still swing a big knight, and it feels as good as swinging a big hammer. So Imagine if you could do both. <laughs> I went to the Eldrazi. I put a better skull on like a 12-12 knight. You literally you just tap it, and, and the world crumbles. I, I can't well, you don't tap it because the batter skull gives it the... Anyway, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, that, that's why you, you literally, you tap, like, I mean, tap like with your finger. You just like, you move to combat and you just tap. With yeah, I usually just like turn it like halfway sideways and then turn 12. it back. I'm like, okay, just so you know, this is what we're doing here. This is how you're dying. <laughs> Marius, what, what's going on with you? Like, as, assuming like legacy tournaments come back, what what's the most exciting deck for you to, to try now? I would for sure have registered my Red Painter with four Blood Suns in the main deck. And with Wurzer Saga now, uh, I would register this deck even more. It's really, in my opinion, really, really good. Handles uh, nearly all in the, in the format, especially with four cards and mass of this, uh, these of um, ah, four Goblin Engineers and three Goblin Welder. You combo really often and it just feels awesome, especially awesome. since you uh, don't um, cripple your own mana base with playing Blood Sun. You keep your two mana lands, and the deck is, is quite mana hungry with cards and uh, Painter Grindstone plus activation cost six. Yeah. And yeah, and I know that you you've never been a fan of what people call the strawberry shortcake, the white splash. And I guess with Goblin Engineer in the deck, you you never felt like you want that extra. Tutoring, of course, at the cost of card disadvantage in the form of Enlightened Tutor. That, that's not something you want to do, right? Not really. Especially if you consider, um, in some years ago, you always had some slots where you could put in this card or put in this card. But at the moment, I even only run two Imperial Recruiter. And, uh, when the decks, when the deck came up, they always played four Recruiter because it was an additional painter. But um, now you just don't have the slots to play even the full playset of this card. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're going to give us the list. I'm going to put it in the show notes, so definitely check it out. And I think with that, we are going to call it a day. 
guys, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, thank you so much for, for. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you're supposed to be a host, Matt. <laughs> it's your pleasure. <laughs> awesome, guys. So if you want to support the everyday channel, you can do that by leaving a review on iTunes. Uh, just go there. If you want, leave us five stars so people can discover legacy. People can discover our podcast, learn more about the format. But you can also just go to patreon.com slash everyday channel and become one of our Patreons. Get in there for as little as $1. Join the community. If you join on higher tiers, you can also get t-shirts. I think almost all of the t-shirts have been delivered now. And yeah, it's just like help us out keeping the lights on and running the show. Big thanks go out to all of our Patreons right now, but especially our Eternal Witness tier. Tommy Hinks, Trent Browers, Testacular, Sebastian Hollager, Guillaume, Jake, Tim Everett, and Severin Schwarzuber. And on our Grizzle Brand tiers, uh, whom I sent all the t-shirts to now, Victor Benatzt, Bajubat, Scott Monroe, Jeremy Gates, Henrik Korkutz, Tom Hepp, Christopher Reinhardt, and Paragon Games in St. Louis. Thank you so much. I get a jump into the shower now because it's incredibly hot in Germany. <laughs> Matt, what's it like in on Vancouver Island? I guess it's the same. Oh, it's like tw- it's like twenty one degrees. It's like pretty perfect. But uh, are you going to sell start selling your shower subscriptions? OnlyFans? Watch Julian afterwards after the. Cat no, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna sell um everyday eternal host bath water. That's that's all the craze right now. <laughs> bottle it after <laughs> I, actually i told that to the wife of my best friend she like she has no idea what's going on in that kind of world, like the twitch and patreon whatever world and and she looked at me for like forever she's like people buy that and then after a while she was like i could do that <laughs> <laughs> oh man Ugh. yeah once once you tell people how much money people actually make that way but yeah Thank you so much. If you want to follow us at EternalMTG, you can find me at It's Tune23 on Twitter. And I guess neither of you guys do social media, right? Not anymore. You still have an account, Matt, but I'm I'm not gonna plug it. Marius, where can people find you? Yeah, I'm I'm on Facebook and on WhatsApp. <laughs> so- <laughs> I'm loving it, dude. <laughs> you wanna plug your phone you number? You can also here? <laughs> look me up in the phone book. At- <laughs> I'm I'm quite a technical dinosaur, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> and I hesitated to be on WhatsApp for yeah, for years, but uh, when the school I had to move to educate had a online um, platform called EduPage, I had to get a modern handy, uh, modern <laughs> modern mobile telephone, and uh, then I said, okay, then why not WhatsApp too? I remember when you actually got WhatsApp. You sent me a message. You're like, hey, I'm on WhatsApp. And I'm like, yeah, big deal. <laughs> <laughs> you can send to the P.O. box of Everyday Eternal ads. No. Yeah. One, one day we're actually going to get one in the middle of nowhere. And like every 10 years, we're going to like go on a pilgrimage and actually check it out. And there's nothing. Yeah. Ever. Nobody checks. <laughs> the mails are somewhere flowing. Awesome. So everybody have a great week. I, I hope you're having a good time and see you again next time for Everyday Eternal. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.